What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. From Sugar 23, I'm Angela Ledgerwood, and this is Lit Up. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I think this interview today with Shana Feinberg and Julia Rothman may be one of my favorites of the year. I know I'm not meant to have favorites, but these two are just such a joy. They have come on Lit Up to talk about their new book, and it's called How We Got By, 111 People Share Stories of Survival, Resilience, and Hope Through Hardship. Now, these two have a column in the New York Times called Scratch. It's in the business section, and Shana interviews and writes a lot of the copy, and Julia Rothman, who's the most talented illustrator, brings these people to life. These two are such good friends, as you will hear, and there's some really lovely surprises, which I don't want to give away now. So just before we get into it, Julia has written and illustrated over 12 books. She also co-founded Women Who Draw, which is this directory of female illustrators and artists and cartoonists. Now, Shana Feinberg is an incredible filmmaker and writer. Some of the work that's just struck me is her TV series, Dinette. And recently she did a New York Times documentary about her own body dysmorphic disorder. Now these two are a force. Enjoy this episode. Let's go, my friends. I'm so, so excited because I have wanted to have... One of this duo on for many, many years because I was lucky enough to meet Shana Feinberg through our friend Maeve Higgins, who's also been on the pod. But now I have her collaborator, Julia Rothman, whose work I've seen everywhere for so long. Welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. We also have to premise that 
they've been very gracious and they're sharing a mic because I want you to get to know their voices right now. Shana, because we met first, can you tell me how you first met Julia and what you thought about her initially? Sure. Okay. So Julia and I were both in like a mutual friends video that was about breast cancer and breast cancer awareness. And I went to the shoot with my mom. Like I showed up at the film shoot with my mom and I saw Julia and I'm very outgoing and I saw her and I was like, oh, we should be friends. Now, Julia, now I need your story about this first meeting. Well, I'm standoffish, and this was a lot of people in one room. And so when somebody came up to me, I was like, hey, how's it going? It was like, whoa. (laughs) I was a little like, wow, okay. And then you introduced me to your mom, and I was like, wow, this is so cool. She seems like a fun person. And I am always looking for collaborators all the time. I do a lot of collaborative stuff, and at the time... I was wanting to do more illustrated reporting stories. And in the back of my head, I was like, oh, maybe she'd be good for that. And that's how we sort of connected in the beginning. And how many years ago is that? Because you've written a previous book as well that's called Everybody, An Honest and Open Look at Sex from Every Angle, which we have to delve into as well, obviously. January 28th, 2018. I just have a good memory for dates. That's when we met. And that first collaboration, did you decide to just pound the pavement one day? We had lunch one day, and I had just written an article for the New York Times about making a movie about my dad dying. And so then we just, like, kept... We went we went for lunch, and then we just kept walking. Do you remember this? We, like... I walked you home, then you walked me back home. Like, we just kept walking and talking. And then we were like, we should do something together. So we decided we would go out and interview people on the street about the fact that no women had been nominated for Best Director at the Oscars. And that was our first piece together. I think I was attracted to the idea of Shana having a strong point of view about this, that there should be more female directors. She talked about it a lot. And I was like, hey, maybe we should do it about that. Let it be from your point of view talking about it and I'll draw you. And then we'll ask other people to also be in it. So we did that. We just did it. Uh, I was already working on that book, this, the Everybody book, but I knew I needed more help. And so it felt natural to be like, hey, do you want to do this book with me now? That, that worked out so well. And then after that, I was approached about pitching to the New York Times for a column that was illustrated. And I, then I asked Shana if she'd want to partner for that as well. I feel like Shana is a good person to have on board to ask people about their sex lives and then maybe financial business lives too, the two things people usually don't want to talk about. Actually, they're more eager to tell about their sex lives than they are <laughs> about their money. That That's way harder. We went on the street talking to people about how much debt they're in, and it took a long time to find people to open up about that. But when we were doing our book and had a sign that says, anybody want to talk to us about sex or bodies or stories um, for a book, there was a line down the street. We had to wait, have people wait for us to finish with the next person because everybody couldn't wait to tell us a story. Yeah, I I do think that money is harder for people to talk about than sex. And 
I think part of that is that like there's all this. I mean, I think there's shame involved with both of those things, but sex can be sexy. Whereas like money, especially the kind of money we're talking about, I think a lot of the times can feel really shameful to people. When I'm trying to decide if I deserve more money or not, and you go on Glassdoor and try and Google stuff and it's so hard and I still don't have the guts to truly ask a good friend, like, can you tell me and I'll tell you. And I remember thinking there weren't people with crazy, crazy high incomes willing to share. I feel like sometimes it's when you're struggling, you're like, oh yeah, I'll talk about how this really is. Right. Um, several people talked to us, but not on the record. You must have learned so much from doing this particular column, but this book, How We Got By, and the, the subheading, which really sheds light, is 111 people share stories of survival, resilience, and hope through hardship. Uh, and in the intro in the book, it's lovely. You say, how we got by isn't really how people think of themselves getting through something. Can you talk about what it's really about, Julia, like for a lot of people? Sure. So the idea originated because during the pandemic, we had to come up with a column to come out. And there was a lot of sadness, fear, all of this um, articles coming out about businesses shutting down. And we thought, are we going to just add to this? What We're not going to profile a business this week. Can we do something hopeful? What can we do? And Shana had told me a story about her mom and getting through cancer and what she did to sort of get through it. And I said, hey, wait, can we do that? Like just ask different people how they got through things. And that's how it happened. And we interviewed a handful of people, <clears throat> somebody whose brother died in 9-11, somebody who went through a divorce, um, somebody who was a refugee. And we put out this column with all this information about how they got through it with advice. And it was one of our most popular columns. It made it to like the list on the New York Times, the most read kind of thing, which is like a big achievement for us. We like that. And so later, many, many years, months, how, how long since then that we decided, oh, maybe we should do a book where it's this idea, but we take it further and we talk to more people and we get longer stories. And that's how this all came together. I still remember where I was when I read that first column. Oh, really? Yeah. It was so impactful. I mean, we're obviously probably all in our apartments at that point. And I remember showing off to my new boyfriend who i just met before the pandemic that I knew Shana Feinberg, you know, I was like, look at this friend of mine, you know, acquaintance really, who has done something so beautiful. And it was so helpful to get some perspective, particularly if you were lucky enough to feel safe and, you know, not be sick. And I'm sure through these years, even when you talk to people about other you know, financial things or money. And I have a list of some of your other columns, just the subjects that have come come up. And it's from dog walking, love that one, to clean beauty, to gas prices, to the cost of wedding season. Um, 
and then, you know, how much money people wake. But I feel like there's always a connection to stories of survival. We have the book here and I'd love to kind of open it randomly and maybe one of you tell us about the experience, particularly with one of the characters that, you know, is in the book. Shana, why don't you go first? Open it up. Um, do you want to, you want to, okay. (laughs) Um, during the pandemic, I watched a film and I really liked it. And during that time I was reaching out to people and telling them when I really liked something, because we were all isolated at home and it felt like I needed this connection with other creative people. So I wrote people who wrote books and um, made comics or whatever. I wrote them and said, I loved this, just wanted to let you know. So I watched this film and I loved it. And I went on Instagram and found the director and uh, DM'd him on Instagram and said how much I loved the film. He was a New Zealand filmmaker. And he wrote back and was like, oh, I said, and if you ever need illustration for anything, let me know. And he said, oh, uh, that would be great. Like I'd love, and we just kept talking. And then I was like, oh, actually, we're working on this book. You can be part of it because he had gone through a breakup. And um, we interviewed him for the book uh, over FaceTime. And then we kept talking. And and then he flew from New Zealand to meet me for a date. And now we're married. So as you were telling that story, I kept looking at your left hand you know, finger. And I was like, OK, sh- there's a ring. Either this became a collaboration of another sort, or maybe that is beautiful. So yeah, the book is a beautiful project, but it also got me a husband. That's, I can't believe that's what you opened to. That's beautiful. After we had the Zoom with him, I, yeah. I was like, Shana, I like him. He's cute. Oh my gosh. And she was like, Oh gosh, I can't take it, Julia. Another like crush you have or something. And I was like, no, this one's real. Oh my gosh, it's the best story. So oh, fabulous. Okay, Shana, I don't know how you top that. No, I can't. Should we just close it up? Okay, Reggie. Okay, sure, I can do Reggie. So Reggie actually is someone for one of our columns. We we went on the street and we asked, we were looking to talk to Gen X. So we were asking Gen Xers because they are getting close to retirement. I guess it was like Gen Xers were like 10 years away from retirement. but And then younger ones are 20 years away from retirement. But still, it's like people have 401ks or whatever. So we were curious like about that, what Gen Xers had prepared for their retirement. But the problem is that like you go up to someone and you're like, are you Gen X? And they're like, I'm 26. You know, it's, it was, it was tricky, but we did approach this one person on the street and his name was Reggie. And he just was like super happy to talk to us and was a great interview. And then, um, I just happened to tell us that he, like, as a side note, that he was a musician and told us some stuff. And so then we went back to him many months later and interviewed him for the book. And he, um, talked about his dad dying. Um, which is, if I could segue then to just, this isn't specifically about Reggie, but when we started the book, I thought that we needed to get every trauma, like a miscarriage, an abortion, a dad yeah. dying, a whatever. But then as we started interviewing people, it became clear to us that 
people who had had the same trauma had treated it differently and had gotten through it in a different way. And so then it made us start to realize, well, actually, that means that like you could use any of the advice for anything. So like, even if it is like you got, like there's a woman, Carla in here who got an abortion before it was legal, like a long, long, long time ago. And you could use her advice for something, something completely unrelated to that. Or someone who got over cancer, you could use their advice for getting through a breakup. We started to realize that it didn't, it didn't have to be like a list that we ticked off. Um, so we do have actually several people who talk about the death of their fathers and they all got through them in different ways. What struck me reading through the book is how different everyone's approach was, but also how it was always something inside that person that had to shift. And one person I'm thinking of is, um, well, the lemonade story, Greta. That's my my former therapist. Oh, wow. So she told me that story during a session once, and it stuck with me so much that when we were making this book, I was like, please, can you tell that story for this book? A hospital every day because her daughter was sick, and she didn't know what was going to happen, and things were really, really hard, and she didn't know what to do. She was breaking down. So then uh, she wound up calling, calling a meditation center and saying, you know, I don't know what to do. This is happening. My daughter's sick. I feel so, I, I just don't know how to handle it. And they said, well, there's got to be something good. She said, how can you say there's something good? Like, there's nothing good. How could, I don't know. And they're like, come on, something. Think of something. And she, you know, just said, oh, the lemonade's really good at the hospital, which it was just kind of a joke because she didn't know what to say. And they were like, oh, that's it. Go get a lemonade every single day. Cherish it. Drink it really slowly. Think about it. Taste it. And that will get you through. And that's what she did. And, you know, the crazy thing is that Ollie, who we were just talked about, my husband, was in the hospital last week because he had like a respiratory thing for five days in the hospital. And I thought of that story every day, and I bought lemonade because of that story. It was a different kind of lemonade. It was like Brooklyn's Best Lemonade or something. But I, that story stuck with me. It has, it's like, it's my favorite. I shouldn't say it's my favorite because there's so many good ones, but it is one of the ones that uh, moved me the most. I definitely, book. well, as a nearly five months pregnant lady, drinks, sour, sweet, cooling drinks have been like my obsession of the summer. So when I read that, I thought, oh, that's so beautiful. So while Greta was focused on the lemonade, she wanted to get her daughter to have something that she could focus on. So she was like, okay, let's get outside to the garden. So she convinced the nurses to like combine all these IVs into one and so they could get her into the garden and they could spend, I think she had a half hour that she could be in the garden. And so the whole idea was like, there, there was always like a lemonade to focus on or a garden to focus on. Um, and so that was what it became about. And, and I think, she, you know, she also talks about like the lemonade was like, a, had a machine, like it was like a, what? It was real lemons. Right. You know those machines? Yeah, when you see those machines in a place and you're yeah. like, it's the real deal. I'll have one of them. Well, so it's like the idea of like milking a thing. 
like milking. So it's, it's, it's like even before you, even before you're drinking it, you're like, Ooh, I'm going to have, like, it's this good feeling. I, I was just saying, I have an eight year old and I was saying to him the other day, like, he's so good at milking a thing. Like he, like we're going to California for my nephew's wedding and we're going to go to Disneyland because we're there. So we're going for one day and it's like my kid talks about it every day. Like every day he's like, oh, we're going to go and it's going to be like this. And then like we'll go and he'll love it. And then afterwards he'll be like, we went. And it was like, like he just milks a thing. Like he finds a thing to just feel so good about. And I feel like that's what this lemonade story is about. And it's such a good lesson for everyone because we all have things like I can, I can easily do that with the negative, like can easily milk the negative, but it's such a good lesson to try and do that with the positive, which I think sometimes, I mean, and Julia talk, Julia and I talk about this a lot where we like, don't even, um, celebrate a thing. Like we'll like work so hard on something or whatever. And then it comes out and people like it and we're like, next thing. It's, It's this idea of like, just sucking all of the joy out of, in a good way. Yes. Something, not in a bad way. Not sucking it dry, but like, you know, anyways. I love that. You could start a milking, you know, hashtag milking, and you'd get yeah, a lot of... I like it. What are some other themes that emerge of how people have coped that you can share? I will say... The theme that stuck out the most, and I, you touched on it before, is that a lot of people said they didn't get through it. And it kind of was this weird thing that kept happening where they're like, well, I don't want to say I got through it because I'm still dealing with it. And we sort of realized that maybe the title doesn't work anymore because it's how we got by and maybe people didn't get by. Maybe they're still, they're getting by. It should be, what, what tense is that? Current tense. Many people felt like this was a thing they were carrying with them as they moved forward. It, they were moving forward, but they were still carrying it on, on their backs a bit. I think definitely the, the way people can like view their lives and sort of sum up parts of their lives, it feels um, like you have more control over it. And I think that's a nice feeling for people. And for this book, we were like, we're going to ask everyone what they think of their story afterwards, because there was a lot of editing, you know, like you're definitely cleaning up things or moving things around or, you know, short, like tightening. Um, So we sent everyone their stories and there was a woman who wrote about being, being a musician and like coming to it at her own pace and that it's not you don't have to be speedy to be successful that it's like sort of anyways. So she said she, she talks about like kind of like sticking with being an artist. And so we sent her the story and she was like, Oh my God, I just inspired myself again by reading it. Like my husband is an addict who's in recovery. And like, I think about for him, it's like every day you have to choose that thing. You know, it's not like it's done. Um, you know, like you're not just, like, you know, you just have to keep choosing to do that. And I think that's the same with getting through things. It's like you have to kind of keep choosing to be moving through it or past it or whatever it is. 
But there's also something in the way that you do edit and bring their voices to life that feels like every one of these stories is a a little triumph. So I'm sure for the people when they see that their own lives distill or a moment, you know, often it's one experience. So um, Kai, who's on the cover, has told me since doing this that it's that this is part of her journey of like, it's become like she it was, she was happy to tell us the story of moving past her father's death and being sort of ostracized by her stepmom. But it also is like part of her healing has been like telling us this story and having, you know, like it, it's, it's an interesting thing. Like it becomes sort of like, like a mirror looking at a mirror. So like, there's all these layers to it. Um, there's also, uh, I was, I, there was someone else I was going to, I was thinking of. So Tantelli is, um, is a person that we interviewed who lives in, um, Madagascar. And for him, it was like, oh my God, like no American person has ever asked me about my life. Like it was like a feeling of like, thanks, thanks for asking me. Like, you know, it's kind of like, how are you? You know, um. So I think that's like a thing, like I see with my mom, who's a widow, that it's like if someone just is like, hey, did you watch this show or something? Like she's like, me, you're talking to me. Like she's so starved for attention. And I feel like most human beings in the world are like, we're not, most people are not asking questions. Like we're not, you know, it's not like, I guess there's, there are people out there who are constantly being asked questions, but for the most part, people are not being asked things. And so I think for a lot of people, that was like a unique experience to be like, oh, someone's asking me about me and they're like interested and that was cool. Also, what's so great about the book and your column is that these aren't celebrities with a feature in the times. These are, you know regular people's stories who you've you know come up to on the street and there's almost nothing more interesting like the plot points in these people's lives each one could be a film subject in their own right or a a memoir there and I think it's so good just to remind ourselves like when we just really look at a stranger on the street like there is so much going on in all of us. Julie, I can see I you nodding. Shana and I love people so much. That's something we have in common um, is that we just love everyone. We meet these people and we're like, we just get filled with, I don't know, happiness and joy every time we talk to somebody. So um, we just want to keep doing this and asking people more and more questions about their lives. So what we haven't talked about is your process of illustrating because the, it's the coupling that works so beautifully. Yes, it's their voices, but the way their spirit is conveyed through your illustrations is really extraordinary. But let's start with your process, you obviously aren't illustrating, you know, in the street necessarily. No, uh, I take pictures of people and then go home and paint them. For this book, uh, we met a lot of people on the street and I took their pictures. And then if we were Zooming with them, I had them send me a picture of themselves that they liked. And 
It's hard because you don't know that somebody's going to love the way they're portrayed in a painting. And they all get their painting. So that was the gift. That's beautiful. Sort of like they gifted us this story. We're going to gift them back the portrait of themselves. It was so funny because somebody we met on the street didn't, I guess, remember that we did this. <laughs> I think also to have a portrait done. Like if you think of the history of portraiture as well, who got them done the count alfonso the second or a duke or an aristocratic family or Hmm. it's not often that a a picture i mean now we have so many photos but a portrait is something that i think most people don't think of commissioning of themselves but to see yourself through someone's eyes Hmm. is probably incredibly moving i think it's probably akin to the listening thing like hearing yourself your own voice and your story is like looking at this picture of yourself in some ways i guess this is for both of you and shana we'll start with you because you're such a multidisciplinary artist how does the interviewing um complement your filmmaking your writing and all these other things you know you do I mean I think the thing for me that is the same is that I am constantly making work that's about like sort of serious topics kind of shedding a light on these things that are considered hard or shameful or difficult to deal with or talk about. Um, but then being like, Hey, it's okay. Like let's casually talk about it. You know, um, that's, I think that's like my ethos as a filmmaker too. So I think that's similar. Something I use a lot in our work together is that I am outgoing. And so, um, I guess a director, I have to kind of be like, okay to be in charge of a bunch of people or be out in an area where I'm talking to people and sort of telling them what to do or um, reading situations. And I think when we go out together, that's something that um, I I kind of use that to approach people. Like whenever we meet up at first, I feel like Julia's always like, "Ah, I'm a little nervous. But But then we do it and you love it and you always get into it. That's how Shane and I compliment each other because she is the person who can go up and say, hey, will you talk to us right now? Excuse me, come over here and talk to us about our, your salary. And I am just silent on the side, like just observing. And then I sort of jump in and ask things. But for the, I don't have the guts she has. And, that's, and also you're very organized and it's helped me a lot. So putting all the stuff together and keeping track of stuff, it's a big deal. Oh, yeah. I mean, 111 people, that's a lot. Well, my last question for each of you is, what lights you up? Well, I think I answered that a bit. I love talking to people. It gives me energy somehow. I'm not sure why. I guess to feel connected is... And I think that that's a little bit with making the art as well. It makes it feel like I'm connecting to somebody else. Shayna? I feel like also we're both people who are like in our heads a lot. Like we're both anxious people. And so to get out of ourselves and go like talk to someone or even just meet up with each other and then go 
out and have like a goal. Like it just, I think it feels like you're, it feels like you're really standing in the stream. Like you're really doing something, which is nice. And also talking to all these people puts your life in perspective. It's like you're worrying about this small, tiny thing you said, but then you talk to people and they've had this gigantic thing that's happened and you're like, wow, they got through that and they figured it out and I'm worrying about this thing right here. It really helps actually ease that anxiety and um, all the things, your negativity you're feeling about your life kind of can get lifted when you know a lot of people are dealing with a lot of things. So... Absolutely. I think, you know, reading your book, I felt so grateful just to have the life I have. But for me, the podcast, like being having to be so present with people and just look at them in the eye and listen, like you said, it's like time stands still. So that's what lights me up about this process. But thank you so much for chatting. Thank you. Thanks for having us. It was fun. It was great. Thank you. Lit Up is a podcast from Sugar23. It's hosted by me, Angela Ledgerwood, and is produced by Liam Billingham. Mike Mayer and Michael Sugar are the executive producers. The theme music is by Andre Radofsky. Until next time. Bye, everyone. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.